When Tessa Kramer walked into the women's restroom tucked away in the basement of the small boutique hotel she ran with other members of her family, she immediately knew something was amiss. The light from the main room in the basement, she says, didn't pass the threshold of the door and into the restroom like expected. It was unnaturally dark. Before she could find the light switch, mind you, it was a light switch she had used countless times before, her eyes managed to adjust to the dark, and that's when she saw her. The figure of a woman, she says, appeared before her. She appeared as though she was similar to Tessa in age, somewhere in her 20s, and she wore a veil that is so common among Latin American cultures. But this woman was unlike any woman Tessa had ever met before. The woman in the restroom was translucent. This wasn't the first time the woman had made her presence known, and it certainly would not be the last. And for Tessa, the woman and the other spirits she and her family encountered while they owned the Don Vicente Hotel in Ybor City, Florida, became more like friends of the family rather than lost spirits haunting its halls. I'm Steve Blanchard. Welcome to Phantom History. The Schreiber family has a knack for restoring historic locales and bringing them into the modern age. Tessa's father has restored more than 17 red brick buildings in Ybor City alone. Ybor, of course, is the historic district of Tampa, and the Shrivers have been restoring buildings there for over the past two decades. The hard work has always paid off, and the renovations have helped bring Ybor City back to life after it sat vacant and in decay for most of the 1980s and 1990s. When the Shrivers came into possession of the Don Vicente, it was a project not unlike the others the family had tackled. And again, Tessa was at her father's side to convert it into a unique and beautiful hotel in the heart of Ybor City. But to better understand the tales Tessa will share in a moment, it's best to know the history of the building itself, for its history may explain why Tessa is so convinced that Ligurian spirits remained throughout her 17 years working within the Don Vicente's walls. In 1890, five years after Ybor City was founded by Vicente Martinez Ybor, the cigar magnate himself constructed a Mediterranean-style building to house his real estate office. After all, Mr. Ebor not only constructed cigar factories, but neighborhoods, banks, and other essentials to ensure the comfort of the Cuban, Spanish, and Italian immigrants who were responsible for rolling thousands of cigars each and every day. In 1925, the building was turned into a health clinic known as El Bien Publico Clinic by Jose Ramon Avellanal, a Spanish immigrant doctor who came to Tampa Bay by way of Costa Rica. The building remained a medical facility even after Avellanal died in 1927. It was eventually converted into the Dr. A. A. Gonzalez Clinic, and that remained open until about 1970. So, with that brief background on the building, the apparent lingering spirits that Tessa and some of her guests encountered could be directly tied to the Don Vicente's previous life as a place of birth, medical treatment, and, well, death. 
We knew that it was a hospital, and once we had opened, people started telling us, well, you're probably haunted, you're probably haunted. And being my father's daughter, that didn't matter to me either way. It would be great if we were, and it was great if we're not. But soon, Tessa knew that the building was, in fact, haunted. Although she had never before encountered a supernatural entity, she found herself face-to-face with an actual apparition while in the basement of the newly renovated and historic building. So it was a Tuesday afternoon. Um, I had my purse on my shoulder. I still remember exactly what purse it was. Um, my brother was working in the office. He had an office in the basement. My office was on the main floor. And I'd come down into the basement to tell him that I was going to the grocery store. And it was about 2.30ish in the afternoon. So I went to go into the girls' bathroom, which was also down there before I left. And when I opened the door, <clears throat> this is what's so crazy. When I opened the door, it was pitch black. like pitch black, pitch black, like the light behind me should have shown in behind me when I walked, when I opened the door. So at first, it, it's kind of like when you get into a car accident, you're thinking very clearly, but it's happening very fast, you know? So um, I'm thinking, oh, my, my employees are probably uh, pulling a joke on me. So I, um, when I reached around to turn on the light switch, um, I turned on the light switch and I saw, I'm going to call her an apparition. The only reason I even knew that she was a girl is because she was wearing, and I, I don't know what they're called, but the Spanish girls used to wear the veil that had the comb in their hair right here and then the veil that came down over their big Spanish dress. And she had that on, but she was white and she was see-through. It was almost like she was a smoke. It was almost like she was made out of smoke. And um, I really wish that I had been brave enough to stay, but um, it scared me so badly that I landed on my butt, falling out of the bathroom. My purse went everywhere. I screamed really loud. Um, and uh, my brother came running out of the bathroom or out of the, his office and uh, asked me if I was okay. And I told him, I just saw a ghost. <laughs> so it was, uh, and I've got goosebumps again. Just, just I, I've told this story a million times and I still get. She was a full woman. I was probably in my mid to late 20s at that point. She was probably about that age. She had braids in her hair. Um, and she was as tall as I was. So um, that was my very first experience at the hotel. Throughout the 17 years that the property functioned as a hotel, Tessa says that guests, staff, and even those who were just visiting for the day all had their own experiences with the supernatural while on site. Some of those encounters may have been with residual spirits, meaning a loop in time manifested itself and found itself running parallel within our own time, and others may have been the leftover energy of patients and staff of the medical clinic. I asked Tessa to share some of those encounters with me. I never personally had any experiences necessarily like in the rooms. Um, we did get a lot of uh, people that would complain because the TVs would turn on in, in certain rooms just randomly. Um, it would get cold in certain rooms just randomly um, and, and, and things like that. There was also lots of um, people saw uh, 
apparitions kind of coming down the staircase. We had a lady that was um, taking a picture of her sons. And so the staircase, a marble staircase, which was really the only thing that was really left of the building besides the four walls when we had to gut it. Um, so the marble staircase is, and it's, it was really funny because as we were, as we owned the hotel and as we grew with it, um, the people that would bring their kids in to see where they were born um, remember the staircase so much bigger because they were so little when they were playing on it. So it's, it was very nostalgic for them. But um, there was a picture of an apparition. She was taking a picture of her sons. There's a mirror on the wall on the first landing here. And she's up here. And so she's taking a picture. And in the mirror, there's an, a man. And he's going down the stairs. And he's right here, kind of coming down the stairs. Her boys are here. And he's right there. And uh, so that's one, that's one of the ones, that's one of the only other ones that we actually that actually saw the whole apparition. I saw a whole person, she saw a whole person and sent it to us. The other ones were more orbs and um, we also had a lady that came um, that took her pictures on the staircase and um, she took hundreds of them. It was a model, modeling shot for um, a place in Ebor or something like that. And um, she, came, she came back to us and brought us the pictures. And at first I would have thought, you know, well, these could be Photoshopped because in several of them, just from her calf, from her, like after her knee down is missing on one of her legs. And in the marble staircase is the face of a man. And I first thought that, you know, it could have been photoshopped, but she was so mean to us. She didn't even pay us to use the staircase or anything like that, but she wanted us out of her way and all of that stuff. So I'm thinking, well, somebody that was that not that nice to us wouldn't come all the way back to show us that this had happened. So um, we definitely believed her on that one. Sometimes, to understand the energy in a location, it's important to not only know its history, but the stories of those who lived that history. In this case, it's the story of Juan Ramon Avellanal and his family that provides some context to the goings-on that remain in the building today. Dr. Avellanal, whom I mentioned earlier, was for the most part well-liked and well-respected. Those who lived nearby had a very different perception of his son, however. Juan Luis Avellanal, born in 1903, was troubled from an early age and literally provided some patience to his father. According to records kept by the University of South Florida, the younger Avellanal once shot a friend in the eye with a pellet gun, and he needed tending to at the clinic. Possibly more disturbing, however, might be the injuries another young friend acquired after Juan Luis created and experimented with his own homemade electric chair. Fortunately, both young men survived their encounters with their playmate. Eventually, the younger Avellanal was sent away to boarding school in Georgia. But even that didn't tame his unruly behavior, and he soon found himself back in Tampa. But that was only after a run-in with the law in Tennessee for kidnapping a woman and for the possession of narcotics. But when Juan Luis returned to Ybor City, he took up residence in the Pasaje Hotel, across the street from his father's clinic. There, he conducted experiments in cryogenics and tried to have his experiments regarding reanimation, the resurrection of dead bodies, published in different academic journals. No institutions, however, took those articles seriously, but the residents of Ybor City were certainly well aware of the younger Avellanal's work. 
they totally think that the um, that the rat problem got so bad in Ebor back, I'm not sure what the year was, but because he was killing all of the cats, he was uh, he was doing experiments on them to keep them uh, alive, and um, he was burning their bodies in the um, the incinerator, which was supposedly in the basement. So the basement, it um, it was the morgue essentially. It was also where they kept a lot of the drugs, and then there was supposed to be some sort of incinerator down there somewhere. There's also supposed to be um, one of the tunnels is supposed to lead into there from somewhere. Beneath Ebor City is a large network of tunnels. Their extent is unknown, and their function has been up for debate among historians for decades. Officially, at least as of 2019, the tunnels are thought to be a system of pre-modern flood control. Unofficially, however, many believe that they were used to transport alcohol during prohibition or to hide other illegal activity, such as prostitution, from authorities. Eventually, after numerous guests complained about strange occurrences in their rooms, Tessa and her family reached out to the Travel Channel television show Dead Files. The show's stars, a female medium and a male retired New York police detective, eventually arrived to investigate the Don Vicente Hotel. Um, the medium had seen him and she said that he was um, just very well dressed, very manscaped, had perfect eyebrows. And, um, and then when the, when the um, detective went and started doing the digging, he found the, that that was Avignon, who was also a very, very bright man. If he would have used a lot of some of the stuff that he tried to get away with and just done it the right way, he would have done well. Tessa is referring to what can best be described as Juan Luis Avellanal's creative criminality. After learning that Avellanal was marketing himself as a doctor, an ordained Baptist minister, and a plastic surgeon, among other titles, authorities began to become suspicious. They soon discovered that he operated Southern University, a college offering degrees, but no courses, out of his Ybor City home. In 1947, his university charter was revoked and the diploma mill was shut down. Juan Luis of Aenal lived to be an old man. There was no tragic accident that cut his life short, nor any suspicious circumstances surrounding his death. However, something has him tied to the Don Vicente, and he's not alone. The woman Tessa encountered in the downstairs women's restroom is believed to be a nurse named Tabitha, or Tabby, and Tessa was surprised to learn that her father had his own experience with the nurse way before Don Vicente ever even opened its doors. So um, he had experienced it when he was, the, the building had a, um, a uh, basement and um, it's, it's a true Florida basement so it was definitely underground and it was too short to be able to use for people to walk around so we had a, he got brought in a bobcat to dig it all out and it was um, at about six o'clock in the morning when he saw a little light and the little light uh, started coming at him from across the building he was sitting in the basement um, just kind of looking over what was going to be done that day and the light got bigger and bigger and bigger and as it got bigger it turned into a woman and she was an elderly woman with a really long braid that came down and, and kind of came over her shoulder. On the surface, the visitor Tessa's father encountered may sound surprising, but something supernatural may have guided Mr. Shriver to the property in the first place. Um, my dad started restoring 
both buildings uh, because a psychic had told him that he would uh, make his livelihood in a place with a lot of red brick. He's, uh, he's definitely a very spiritual, deeply spiritual person. My dad was born and raised in Gary, which is only about a mile outside of Ybor. Um, so he's very familiar with it. He rode the streetcar back when he was a kid, went to the Ritz to watch movies with his sister. Um, and when the psychic told him that he would make his uh, livelihood in a place with a lot of red brick, he went straight back to Ybor and started his first building there. It's hard to argue that the psychic was anything but correct. Not only did the Shriver family have a thriving hotel business, but they were also able to employ friends and other family members while they occupied the building. That may explain why Tessa was rarely scared or frightened while she was in the Don Vicente Hotel. Maybe it was knowing that her father and her family were predestined to operate a business within the building, or maybe she and her family had a little extra help from those who worked there in the past. When we left there, I went through and I touched every single wall. It's going to choke me up because I loved it. That building has a spirit. It definitely does. I mean, there's no way that we could have... My brother and I were um, criminology majors. And so we could tell you why they were stealing the tenderloin but not how to cook it. And here my dad goes, he opens up this hotel and this restaurant, and there's no that way that we made it without some of their help. I mean, I know it for sure. We had all the best people that worked for us. My chef never missed a day. I had one chef. If she got sick, what was I going to do if I had 300 people coming through there? She never missed a day of work. Um, all of our staff was just amazing. I mean, this is a 24-hour business, and we're just little little people on the totem pole, 16 bedrooms. How do, what do we know? And here we go with, with this thing that lasted 17 years, and, and it gave all of us a job, my dad, my mom, who, who had been divorced for 30 years, by the way, uh, my brother, myself, a lot of our friends, they... Uh, I had a friend that got divorced. She came back to the hotel and worked. I had two friends that um, got fired from jobs and they came back and worked there until they got back on their feet. So there is an energy and a spirit in that building that is bigger than what we can imagine. Tessa has not been back inside the Don Vicente since she and her family closed their hotel. The building has since been converted into office space and Tessa doesn't know if spiritual activity still occurs behind its closed doors but she's hopeful that most of the activity has ceased. That's because she and her family wanted to give the spirits within their hotel a proper goodbye when they finally left the property. So we went around and just lit the sage and just went around and told them to go home. Just go on home. No one knows for sure, really, if the spirits of the Don Vicente Hotel did finally go home. It's thought that the construction done during the renovation of the former medical clinic awakened and confused the spirits that resided there. And it is possible that the new construction could have created even more confusion. That is, if anything from its past still remains. Regardless, the building that once housed the Don Vicente Hotel is a staple of Ybor City and of Tampa. And for many, and especially for Tessa, it will always be a portal into the city's past. Phantom History is researched, written, and produced by me, Steve Blanchard. Music is courtesy of Shane Ivers of SilvermanSound.com, Chad Crouch, and Raphael Crew. If there is a mysterious location that you think would make for an interesting episode, please let me know by emailing podcast at phantomhistory.com. 
You can also follow this podcast on Instagram through my podcast handle, at Phantom History, and see photos, news articles, and other extras on the podcast website, phantomhistory.com. In addition, I invite you to like the Phantom History page on Facebook, where you will receive updates, photos, participate in discussions, and more. Please consider giving Phantom History a five-star review on whatever platform you use to enjoy podcasts. And thank you for listening.